You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. John chapter 6 in your Bibles, I was uh, with my family. They're not here today. They left. They went to Iowa. I'm going to meet up with them this week. Uh, but uh, they are in Iowa today, and my wife felt bad not being here today, but if she didn't get there, this really would have been a, was a good opportunity for her to be able to see her uh, dad and, and, uh, his, and his wife and uh, her brother and his wife and the kids and spend a little extra time there, so I was fine with that. But uh, Thursday night, we were having our family devotions, and we, we do not have, and maybe we're, maybe we're bad for this, but like we don't have family devotions on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. We have church and those nights, and uh, but we try to have family devotions, and, you know, we, we miss some, I'm sure, like maybe you do with your family or as when your kids were younger. But um, we're having family devotions Thursday, and I, I knew my family was not going to be here, and I wanted to share just a couple things from this story with my girls and with Micah. And so I gave the devotional. We sang a song or two. We, I probably gave a five-minute devotional from John chapter 6, and uh, we prayed, and I was done. And uh, my wife said, Jeremy, she said, you know, that, there are some things in that passage. She said, you ought to preach from that sometime. And I said, well, I'm planning on preaching this Sunday from it. And um, Lacey looked at me as serious as a heart attack. And she said, Dad, she said, how do you take something so short? And how do you make it so long? And she wasn't trying to be rude. She wasn't trying to be hurtful or anything like that. But I started laughing. Joanna started laughing. And uh, so you're not getting the five-minute version this morning that I gave in Family Devotions. But uh, I don't think it's going to be too long this morning either. But nonetheless, I want you to notice this passage. And it's a familiar passage, but it's such a powerful, powerful truth uh, of the miracle that Jesus performed of the feeding of the 5,000. Now, the Bible says there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. So most Bible scholars would say probably this was a miracle where 15 to 20,000 people were fed. Now, that's a lot of people. Can I tell you the population of Roanoke Rapids is 15,000. Can you imagine being responsible for feeding everybody in Roanoke Rapids? That's a lot of food. That's a lot of people, uh, especially after church on a Sunday when everybody's hungry, you know, and everybody's racing to get to the restaurant to get their food. But here we see in this passage, number one, I'm going to go quickly. I see the Lord is the focal point of this story. And I want to remind you that Jesus is the focus of this book right here. He's the hero. He's the main character. He's the one that it's all about. Uh, when, you, when you read about Mount Carmel and the fire that fell from heaven, Elijah's not the main character. The Lord is the main character. When you, when you read about David and Goliath, David is not the hero of that story. God is the hero of that story. It is God that did the miracle. It is God's power. And you and I, anything good that happens in our lives is not because of us. But anything good that happens in our lives is all because of God. We see the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus, verse 1, he went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that, isn't that the way it ought to be today? People ought to follow Jesus. I think that's why you're here today. I think you came to church today because you have a desire to follow Jesus. Uh, if you didn't, you wouldn't be here. But can I tell you, these people followed him, but I want you to notice their motivation. 
It says they followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did. Now, I want to tell you, I don't know why you came to church this morning, but I'm glad you're here. And even if you didn't come for the best reason, even if you didn't come for the right reason, I still think you ought to come to church. I still think you ought to do what's right, even if your motivation is not right. But then you ought to pray that God would help your motivation to get right. Some people come to church because mom and dad made them come. Maybe you came to church because your spouse made you come. Maybe a neighbor or a coworker or somebody called you and said, if you don't show up, I'm going to whatever, fill in the blank. I'm just glad you're here and praise God that you're here. Praise God you came to church. But you know, it ought to be our desire that we follow Jesus, not just because of the miracles, but we follow him for who he is. We follow him because of what he's done in our lives. Can I tell you, we follow Jesus, not just in the good times, but we follow him even in the bad times. We follow him even in the tough times. We follow him because he loved us and gave his life for us. We follow him because he saved us from our sin and gave us eternal life in heaven. And so we see they were following Jesus. The Bible says in verse three that Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. We'll come back to that in a few moments. That's a good thing to do, to sit with Jesus and to listen to him. Verse 5, when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company that came unto him, and he saith unto them, he saith unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, if you saw 15,000 people coming at you, you'd probably panic. You'd probably get nervous. I think I would. You might see people coming and say, oh, no, what do they want? Oh, no, what are we going to do with them? But aren't you glad that when Jesus sees people, he sees people with needs. He sees people that he wants to help. Aren't you glad that when we come to Jesus, he doesn't say, oh no, here they come again. I'm glad he wants to hear from us. He wants us to call on him. He wants us to pray. He wants us to ask. And they came and Jesus is already uh, uh, thinking, hey, we've got to feed these people. We need to take care of these folks. And he asked Philip, where can we buy bread? And he said that to Philip to prove him for he himself knew what he would do. Uh, I think that's a, a great reminder for us that Jesus is trying to see if we have faith. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He already knows the situation. He already knows the outcome. But the Bible says that there was one, uh, Andrew, verse 8, and he said, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? I see not only the Lord in this story, but I see the lad. There's a little boy. We don't know his name. We know he was young. But certainly he was not the guy that you thought was going to have enough food on hand to feed an entire group of 15 to 20,000 people. But here's what I like about this little boy. He said, I don't have much, but what I have, Jesus, you can have it. Isn't that a great day when you'd say, hey, I may not have much. I may not have a lot of money. I may not have a lot of talent. I may not have a lot of ability. I may not have a lot of experience. I may not have a lot of skill, but Jesus, my life is yours to control. I want you to take me. You can have everything that I have. I don't know if there were other folks that offered their lunches, but I know this boy did. He was willing to give Jesus what he had. Now imagine on that day, we see the Lord, we see the lad, but then we see the lunch. The lunch was made up of five barley loaves and two fishes. It was not a lot of food. And 
when they were looking for food, I imagine that other people had food on hand. I mean, I assume somebody else had a lunch. But you know what they were probably doing? Probably what you and I would have been doing. We'd have been hiding ours. Say, hey, those people that forgot their lunch, they're on their own. That's their problem. That's the, the, your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part, right? But that little boy, and maybe because he was a child, isn't, it, isn't that just like a child? Sometimes you'll be, I'll be teasing uh, with a child and they'll have a piece of candy and I'll say, hey, can I have a bite? Or, or they'll have an ice cream cone. Hey, can I have some of that? You know what they'll do? Sure, help yourself, you know. Now, well, I wasn't expecting that. And no, 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 thank you. I'm, you know, I'm not planning to take a bite out of your ice cream cone or whatever. But maybe for this boy, maybe it was just, he didn't know any better. Maybe this boy had just not become so attached to stuff like we do as adults. Have you ever noticed that a child, they'll give you anything. They'll give it to you. They're not worried about it. But boy, the older we get, the more we don't want to let go of stuff because we have been so uh, programmed that we've got to work and we've got to save and we've got to scrimp and we've got to keep everything we've got. Friend, the Christian life is not about taking. The Christian life is about giving. The Christian life is not about keeping, but the Christian life is about losing your life for Christ and for the gospel's sake. I see the Lord. I see the lad. I see the lunch. It's interesting that Jesus is getting ready to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. But you remember what God did in the Old Testament? Remember when the people were in the wilderness? What did God do every single day? He supplied what? Manna. He supplied bread for his people. And I want to remind you, God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of me. Uh, God is going to meet the need. And God is not limited. The power he had in the Old Testament is not diminished in the New Testament. He is still God and he is still able. Number four, quickly, I see the laborers. You say, who are the laborers? Well, it's the disciples. The Bible says in verse 11 that when Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And then they took the food and they gave it to the people. Now, I know, I know of a few in this room, but how many of you either currently do or in the past, you have worked in the food business, a restaurant, maybe a, a cook or a, a server or a waiter or, or something like that. Let me see if you've worked in the food business. Okay, we've got quite a few. All right, good. You put your hands down. How many of you know that's a lot of work? That's not easy. And you know why? First of all, because people are people. But secondly, when somebody's hungry, how many of you know when people get hungry, they get mad? They're not patient. Huh. I keep talking about they. We are not patient, right? When we're hungry, it's like, I want my food. I want it now. I'm hungry. Some of you are thinking, exactly, Pastor, and you're standing between us and the food. So if you could kind of give us that five-minute, you know, devotional from your, your house Thursday night. But the disciples are now in the food service business. They're taking the bread and they're taking the fish and they're passing it out to 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, that would take a lot of time. Can you imagine how much time it would take to distribute food to fifteen or 20,000 people? And they would distribute it and then they'd go back to Jesus and they'd get some more and they'd distribute it and they'd go back and 
that's a lot of time. That's a lot of work. It's interesting, the disciples, several of them had been fishermen. They'd been on the other end of things. They were catching the fish. They were working for themselves. They were business owners. And and now they're taking the fish that Jesus is breaking and the bread that he's breaking, and they're taking it and distributing it to the people. Now, the disciples didn't have to cook it. They just had to serve it. And can I tell you, as we serve the Lord, we don't have to do the miracle. We just have to serve the miracle. We don't have to come up with all the ideas. We just have to take the gospel that's been given us. We just have to take the word of God. We just have to take the bread of life, the manna from heaven, and we just need to give it to people and let God do the miracle and we do the serving. And they were laborers. They were faithful to get the food to the people. But then I see quickly, I see the leftovers. The Bible says in verse number 12 that when they were filled, you know what that means? Everybody got plenty to eat. They didn't want another bite. They were filled. And after the people were filled, the Bible says that Jesus said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I see the leftovers. The Bible says that after that lunch had been broken, the five loaves and two fishes, and the disciples passed it out to every person there. Every person was full. And then Jesus says, now, fellas, I want you to go, and I want you to gather up the leftovers, the the things that are left. Can you imagine those disciples thinking, Jesus, we started with five loaves and two fishes. How in the world do you expect there to be leftovers? But they went, they obeyed. And by the way, even when you don't understand, you just obey, you just do what God's told you to do. And they took baskets. I think each disciple took a basket and I'm sure they're going among the crowd thinking, there's no way there's anything left. There is no way there's food left. And they're bringing the basket and they're saying, hey, do you have anything left over? You have anything left over? And sure enough, they're filling the basket. And the disciples come back to Jesus, and I'm sure they are just, their minds are blown. They come back to Jesus, and they look at each other and say, you got a basket too? And you got a basket? And you got, and there's 12 baskets full. That's more than we started with. I don't know that Jesus did this, but I believe Jesus sent each of the disciples home with a basket. Can you imagine the stories they told when they got home? Now, not all the disciples uh, had families and not all the disciples were married, but we know Peter was. You say, how do you know Peter was married? Peter had a mother-in-law. And nobody signs up for a mother-in-law without a wife, right? So make sure you're listening. So Peter gets home to his wife and he's got a basket full of food. And his wife says, honey, where did that come from? And he says, well, you're not going to believe it. There was a little boy out there today and he had five little loaves and two small fishes. And Peter's wife sees the basket and she says, well, where'd all that come from then? (laughs) And Peter says, you haven't heard anything yet. Those five loaves and those two fishes, Jesus started breaking them and breaking them and we were passing them out. And he said, Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children with that lunch. 
And Peter's wife says, well, where'd the basket come from? <laughs> and he says, well, I'm getting to that part. He said, after everybody was full, we went through the crowd and we came back with 12 baskets full. You know why I think Jesus sent those baskets home with the disciples? Because when you serve God, you're not going to go hungry. When you serve God, God is going to meet your need. David said it like this. I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God's going to take care of you. You serve God. God will provide your needs. You watch and see. And we see the leftovers. Number six. This is my last point, but it's going to take me a few minutes. So don't close your Bible and don't put your shoes on yet. I see number six, the lessons. From this passage of scripture, I see so many lessons. I want to give them to you quickly. I want to comment on a few of them. Number one, the lessons. Follow Jesus, but don't just follow him for the miracles. We see the multitudes were following Jesus because of the miracles. You see, friend, if you only follow Jesus for the miracles, there's going to come some time where you're in the hospital. There's going to come a time when uh, you're, you're, you're bankrupt. There's going to come a time when your, your family's torn apart. And there are going to be times where if you only follow Jesus in the good times, you'll be tempted to leave. But you decide to follow Jesus no matter what. And can I tell you, you will not be disappointed. Number one, follow Jesus, not just for the miracles. Number two, learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. You saw that in verse number three, that the disciples, they went and they sat with Jesus. Now we need to serve and we need to be busy and we need to work. But if all you ever do is serve God and you don't spend time with God, you are going to destroy your life. You're going to destroy uh, your mind. You're going to, uh, I say burn out, I don't like that term, but you are going to be frustrated if you're only serving, but you're never spending time with Jesus. You know how these disciples made it through? You know how they followed Jesus to the end? And you know how they got right in the book of Acts and after uh, the, the crucifixion? I believe it's because they remembered the times that they sat at his feet and Jesus taught them. Number three, have faith in God. Those disciples saw the multitudes and Jesus has the idea, we're going to feed all these people. Can I tell you, it's not always going to make sense, but God is able. You're not going to be able to figure it out, but have faith in God. If you can figure it out, it's not faith. If you can understand it, it's not faith. If you can put it on paper, it's not faith. Have faith in God. Look at what God did. Can I tell you, you can trust him. Have faith. Number four, God already knows what he's going to do in every situation of your life. I love what it says in verse number six. He said this to Philip to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now, I want you to think about a burden right now that you have in your life, a battle, a struggle, a problem that you're facing. Don't tell me. Don't tell the person next to you, but I want you to get it in your mind. You don't know what you're going to do about it. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. But God already knows what he's going to do about it. He's in control. God's not nervous. God's not stressed. God's not having anxiety. God is on the throne and he is in control. He already knows what he's going to do about your situation. Number five, little is much when God is in it. That little boy, he didn't have a big lunch. He didn't have a lot of food, but he said, I've got a little bit and I'll give it to the Lord. And if you will give God the little that you have, you'll be amazed how God will take it and how God will bless it.
Number six, give God everything you have. We already saw that. But if I were that boy, I'm just being honest with you. You may be more spiritual. But I would have been doing the math. I've got a lunch with five loaves and two fishes. Just in case things don't work out, I'm going to keep two loaves and one fish so at least I've got something to eat and I'll let Jesus have the rest. But that's not what the boy did. You know what he did? He gave it all. And friend, I want to encourage you to give your all to God. You say, are you talking about money right now? No, actually, I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your passion. I'm talking about your focus. I'm talking about your goals. Because if you will give God you, then you'll have no problem with tithing. You'll have no problem with offerings. You'll have no problem with coming to church. You'll have no problem with serving God. If you give God all that you have, if you give him all of you, then everything else will fall into place. Number seven, give God thanks for what he has given. I love this passage here where it says Jesus, verse 11, he took the loaves and when he had given thanks... There's only five loaves. There's only two fishes. But you know what Jesus did? He said, God, I want to thank you for these five loaves and two fishes. You say, Pastor, when God gives me a lot of money, I'm going to thank him for it. When God gives me a, a wonderful dream job, I will thank him for it. And my answer to you is this. If you don't thank him for what you've got now, you won't thank him for something else down the road. If you're not thankful for the house you have now, you're not going to be thankful for a bigger house. If you're not thankful for the car you have now, you're not going to be thankful for a nicer car. If you're not thankful for the job you have now, you're not going to be thankful for a better job. The, the goal is to be thankful and to be content with what you have. And if God blesses with more, praise God, give him the glory. But be thankful. Be content with what God has given. Give him thanks. Number eight. Get involved in God's work. These disciples, they just jumped in. And they said, hey, somebody's got to get the food out. Somebody's got to pass it out. Somebody's got to distribute to these people. And they were willing to be used in the work of God. I want to challenge you this morning. Get involved. Do something for God. Do something to serve Him. Number nine, only Jesus brings satisfaction. I say that because the Bible says that verse 12, when they were filled... You know, nobody went home hungry that day out of all those people. And that tiny little lunch, everybody went home completely satisfied. You know how you find satisfaction in life? It's found in one person, and his name is Jesus. Only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can bring contentment. Only Jesus can bring true happiness and joy. And, and, and remember that Jesus brings satisfaction. Number 10, quickly, remember that God uses broken things. I looked up this week, I looked up the word fragments. I, I know what it means, and I'm, I, I, in my mind I could picture what was left over because the Bible says Jesus took the bread and he broke it. But you know what fragments, do you know what that, that word literally means? It means broken pieces. we would have probably said, we don't need the broken pieces. We don't need the fragments. We don't need the leftovers. Hey, we're all full. But you know what Jesus said? No, gather them all up. We've got a purpose for those. And you may be here this morning. I'm gonna preach about it a little bit tonight about things that are broken. But I wanna tell you this, your life may be broken. Your heart may be broken. Your dreams may be broken. 
Your goals, your, 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 your plans may be all broken. And you're ready to give up. Well, I got good news for you. God uses broken things. And God takes broken things and he puts them back together. And God can make something beautiful out of your life, even though your life may be broken. That's what God uses, broken things. Number 11, God always takes care of those who serve him. Those baskets, I believe each disciple took home a basket. I believe every disciple had enough to eat for them and for their family. And can I tell you, that's what God does. He always takes care of you and me as we follow him. And then lastly, number 12, I'll say this, and I'm done. And I, I made the mistake in the early service. I told them how many takeaways I had, and I think I lost them. So I didn't tell you, but I'm done now. Number 12, the final lesson from this past description that I'll give you today is that when you follow Jesus, you get a front row seat to the miracles that God does. Now, if you've been a part of Victory Baptist Church for any length of time, and, and, I, and I've, only, I've been here for nine and a half years, but there's many of you, you've been a part for many more years. But if you've been a part of this church, you have seen some miracles. And you know what I'm afraid? I'm afraid sometimes we get used to the miracles. Sometimes we take them for granted. But friend, I want to tell you, God has done some amazing things. And you know, if you're not involved, if you're not a part, you don't get to see it. You, you hear about it and, oh yeah, I heard about something like that. I don't just want to hear about it. I want to get involved. I want to have a front row seat to see what God can do with ordinary people like us. Just a little lad. He had a little lunch, nothing special. But yet God took the ordinary and God did something extraordinary. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.